We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, good morning to everybody on this beautiful, actually not so much, it's a very overcast Saturday. Um, welcome to the latest Knicks Film School locker room. As you could tell, Andrew Claudio is not the host at the moment. So I'm doing double duty because Andrew, I believe, I believe, I believe, just got off a train. Um, but thankfully, we already have our first speaker. Um, but I'm going to try to do a, an Andrew impersonation with uh, what does he do? He lays the ground rules. Uh, mute your background noise and raise your hand to speak. I think that's it. Um, there is no official question of the day. Um, I guess just bring your fake dra- best fake draft trade. I don't know. Is that does that sound like a fun one? Yeah, let's go with that. Um, we already do have a speaker request, of course, because why not begin this show where we ended the last show, which is with the one and only. The Strickland Zone, except no invitations. Schwinny Poo. Good morning. Schwinn, are you there? Uh, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, I would say, are you first time, long time? But I know uh, probably <laughs> neither of those things is true. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm driving I'm driving across the major Deegan, listening to the show. Thought I'd give you a call. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you tuning in there, Schwinn. Did you? Um, here, I have a, I have a separate se- separate question of the day for you. I remember you used to be quite the partier in the pre-pandemic days. Did you do anything interesting on your Friday night? Um, I played basketball and then I drank a bunch of beer after. So I had I had beef lo mein too. It's pretty exciting stuff. Wow, I haven't had beef lo mein in a long time. I love beef lo mein. Beef lo mein yeah, it was really good. It was uh, I haven't had it in a while either, and I was just like, you know what? I earned it because I played three games. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a very exciting Friday night. What'd you do? Oh my God. Um, well, uh, no, I can't, I, my wife probably wouldn't like if I, if I said that on the, on the locker room. <laughs> so I'll just say, I'll just so say, a good Friday. That, um, my, <laughs> we, we got the kids to get early. We got the kids to bed early and we, we sat down and, uh, we, we, we watched the movie and, uh, you know, we let the, we let the night take us where it took. 
<laughs> so you guys talked about fake mixed traits. That's what I'm exactly, saying. exactly. She was really upset <laughs> that I hadn't, you know, uh, been more been more aggressive uh, trying to think of ways to trade up. And so she's like, "You should be more aggressive in trying to trade up." Um, and that right. was that was how the uh, that was how the Friday night went. So I got a question for you then. Oh how God. if if the Knicks? I'm not even talking about how. Okay, just just bear with me. If the Knicks can get 14 from Golden State, right? Let's say like whatever it is. Let's say they have to give up 21 to do it in the process. What do you think? What range does fourteen and nineteen get you up to? Ooh. Does it get you to ten? Does it get you to nine? Maybe. Could we, could we at least take it one step at a time and talk about how we're getting to fourteen? Let's. Okay. So I'm. I'm. Okay, so here's they have seven and fourteen. Obviously, right? Um, like obviously, I think we are. I don't know if you've been following the things that Joe Lacob is saying um, constantly, but I think it. It's pretty obvious that they're very happy with their new stadium and new revenue streams, and uh, they're not exactly super crazy about trying to maximize winning. I think that's fair to say. Um, no. Okay. I, I, I mean, I don't know if you've been seeing what he's been saying about Steph, but they're like asking him about free agency and stuff, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, we, we'll see." Like paying him the max. Like he's kind of made it clear that paying him the max isn't maybe worth it for them and it's like you know oh like you know you don't pay for past performance type of thing and then he even said yesterday they asked him something about like reports of lebron trying to recruit steph and he said something like yeah well you know steph uh he's earned the right to be a free agent um which i, I think i, I just Go googled ahead. joe lakeup and the second thing that comes up is joe lakeup steph curry so i could see that uh, clearly this this story has been making the rounds how about that yeah yeah so my thinking is it's not necessarily that they don't want to compete, but there's like, I mean, they spent God knows how much money this year, right? On that team. Um, the biggest salary, they, they won't trade Draymond, right? Like that's Lakeup is like, he loves Draymond more than anybody else. So that's not going to happen. Well, I also um, don't know. I mean, you, you and I both, we, right, for as much as we disagree, we're usually pretty good about trade values. Does, does Draymond Green have a ton of trade value right now? I mean, I think the only teams that could use Draymond are like, you need to have a Steph type of player, which good luck. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's the classic, <laughs> he's worth more to us than he is to you guys. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, Hunter, like, if you, maybe Portland would like him, maybe like, I don't know, Dallas, and that's honestly about it. Those are the only teams I seriously think so would like. All right, so Draymond's not going anywhere. You think that there is some scintilla of a possibility that Steph tests or is allowed to test the waters? I guess would be. Fair. I think he will. I think he will be allowed to test the waters. I don't think they're going to give him because he's what thirty three right now, so or thirty two maybe. I don't remember his exact age, but um, he. I don't think he can get the five year max extension. So it would be four years either way, no matter what he's he does. 30, yeah, he's thirty three. Right, so he's he can only get the four year thing. Um, I think that's they're gonna let that play out. My thinking is they have seven and they have fourteen. They've got Wiggins. Okay, if you're the Knicks, let's just play this out. And I, I I don't know the exact uh, machinations of how and when this would happen, but having talked to your your co-host and my co-host also Jeremy uh, several times, 
there are ways that the Knicks can like sign and trade Reggie Bullock and Alec Burks of the world. Okay, is this is this just a way for you to get your favorite player, Andrew Wiggins, on the Knicks? Is this a, just a big? It elaborate? is, but but like here's the thing. Here here's the thing. I I have I've argued with you before that like trading for Andrew Wiggins is stupid because of how big his cap it is, and then you're sinking so much of your like flexibility that's been an asset to the Knicks. Um, you're sinking so much of that because, and like you're wasting kind of that time frame you have where RJ is sure. on a rookie deal and all that good shit. Yeah. Um, now if let's say golden state, what do they want? They wouldn't just trade Wiggins just to dump the salary. No, right. We know that. Yeah. Right. But if you can offer them actual cohesive supporting pieces in return for Wiggins, um, I think there's a deal potentially to be made there. Now, whether that's for seven or for 14 and what the finances of all, like how much money you're going to save them, I don't know. But let's say you offer Bullock on a sign and trade and Burks in a sign and trade. Okay. And then you take on the Wiggins contract. What can you, like, what pick can you get from them for that? Because you're still saving them money and you're giving them, I think, two guys who, Look, if they played as well as they did next to fucking Julius Randle, I think they'd be pretty fucking good next to Steph. And Burks played yeah. well before Golden State. Um, so, like, I I feel like there is a deal to be made with Golden State. It's just a matter of, like, figuring out what the fuck that deal is. All right. um, but, like, I, my ideal, like, ideally, why I was asking about what 14 and 19 get you, um, I think, like, the Knicks want, I mean, Tibbs kind of hinted at it yesterday almost directly, but I think they want to go with a wing in this year's draft. Um, and I think the, like the top cream of the crop kind of wings in the draft, they are in that mid lottery, mid lottery area. So you're talking about like Moody, Franz Wagner, Scotty Barnes, however you want to, if you see him as a three or four, big forward kind of thing. Schmitz went on. I mean, I know you're a huge uh, low post listener, so I don't. Even <laughs> but but, Schmitt, uh, but Schmitz went on uh, low post. I guess it was yesterday or the day before, whatever it was, and he indicated that that I, and he didn't say consensus, but he's like there seems to be a top. I think he said ten or eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're are you putting Moody in that in that group? Yeah, I love Moody. I like like if I'm being honest, if I'm if I'm moving up for a wing in this draft, he would be like the guy I would want to move up for. Um, I like him the most out of the wing. I, I mean, Jalen Green doesn't count because we're never going to get into that range. No. Um, but, yeah, like of the realistic guys maybe you can move up for, Moody would be in that that top. Okay. I I mean, Moody's not going to fall because uh, he's a he's a wing who could shoot. And he's right. he's 6'6", six, six, and he's uh, 19 years old and, and all of the things. Okay. And he's got the 7 what, what seven one wingspan or whatever, so... And it's also interesting, by, by the by, and uh, I see Andrew's texting me, kick Schwinn off. Damn, Andrew. So, <laughs> so mean. No respect. Um, no, okay, so I'll, I'll try to answer this quickly. Um, so notable that Tibbs said uh, wings who could shoot because, uh, lo and behold, Andrew Wiggins is, albeit overpriced, wing who can shoot. So if it's Wiggins uh, for Burks, in a sign and trade that gets you from 19 to 14. So then you have, or sorry, from 21 to 14. Um, then you have 19 and 14. 19 and 14 gets you to, 
Oh man, I mean the two spots you're the three spots you're looking at are Sacramento, New Orleans and and Charlotte. I feel um, like Sacramento would do that. Like like well, they have just a from yeah. from the perspective of they have a GM who came from Houston, so like they're going to have all these, you know, he's going to be a statistical based guy. If you just look historically over drafts, the expected outcomes of like the ninth pick and the 14th and 19th picks, they're yeah. not that different. But they they did it uh, the right. I know it's a different GM, but they did it already with the what's his face Zach Collins. Uh, yeah, for, yep. For yep. So, and this is this is almost the identical spots. That was ten, fifteen, and twenty. This would be nineteen, fourteen, or nine, fourteen, and nineteen. So that I mean that lines up. Um, I yeah, I guess Sacramento would just have to have and it and oh uh, and Sacramento needs depth. Right. Huh. I like that. I don't think Charlotte does it. I think Charlotte they just swing for they're gonna swing for the best guy they can get. Um but uh yeah. Oh wait, Claudio, hold on. Claudio's gonna be at his stop on the train in two minutes. He has a question for you. So you've been granted an additional great Wow. Time. I feel so honored to be wait. on with you and Claudio for this long, you know? I mean there are literally <laughs> there are literally dozen of people who would kill for this opportunity um is that is that like the top patreon tier for kfs or it's actual murder (laughs) um wait so let's actually let's play this fantasy world out um so the knicks then let's say uh well actually no forget about what burks's salary is so i mean i mean to, to be clear too like this is a big risk you're taking because Wiggins' salary is not bullshit. It's like you're taking up about thirty million of your cap for the next two years. It, um, it's, it's massive. So, that I, well, let's say this: I think this would be contingent on the Knicks knowing that there is no. Uh, well, it's, it's a, not going to be a Dame trade because Dame got his coach, but contingent on knowing like there is no Beal trade this summer. Uh, there is no, I'm trying to think if they would even care about anybody else that might become available this summer, realistically. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, they can still, like, you would still have probably enough space. I mean, I would try and include Knox in a steal, too, just I, to I move was the literally about to say, get, yeah. can we get Knox to go? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could probably send him to, like, Sacramento in the deal or something like that, right? Like, if you're, if it ends up being a three-way situation where you're pulling Sacramento, and I'm sure there's a way to do it. Yeah, um, sure. But, like, yeah, like if you you would still have enough space, like if they think they can get a Kyle Lowry or Chris Paul is willing to take a little bit less annually than maybe he would for another team. Um, like they you, have enough, you, they have enough to spend on one more significant guy. Basically. Right, right. And if they can do that, great. If not, I don't. I don't think they're like. I I do think that there's a level of rookie in their estimation that's like he like you know a guy that can come in and immediately help your program. Um, and it, it feels like the rumor mill is indicating that they would like to trade up to get into that tier of player. Who that player is, is still a mystery. Um, I, I just feel like Moody makes, like, if you look at what Walt Perrin has kind of like, tr- like what he looks for in draft picks, he just feels like very much a Walt Perrin type of dude. But yeah, he absolutely does. And I was, um, I was text, uh, DMing a little bit with, uh, our, our colleague, but more your colleague than mine, Prez, um, about the only other guy who, like, if you never watched him play, uh, fits the profile in Davion Mitchell, cause it's like, you know, hard, you know, hard playing point guard, you know, we could, 
He can hit a three, and if you actually dig a little deeper, he's not the guy. I don't think he's the guy you want to trade up for, mm-hmm. um, and, and I don't think you will. Jalen Johnson plays the four. They don't need a center. Um, Kispert just doesn't strike me as a guy who the Knicks are going to trade up for, and then you keep going down the list. I mean, like, maybe Book Knight, maybe, possibly. I like Book Knight. I don't know if I love Book Knight. We'll see. Book Knight um, can, like, do a lot of shit, but he doesn't necessarily do a lot of shit effectively yet, which is not yeah, a bad thing. Um, it's just a thing. And, and Keon Johnson, um, maybe someday he'll be able to shoot, and if he does, he'll be probably an all-star, <laughs> but he can't, he can't do it yet. And then the same, same similar questions exist about Wagner. So, yeah, but I would, I would be down for watching that team. Oh, wait, here's Andrew. Here we go. Guys, can I jump in? Can I jump in? First of all, good morning, everybody, and thank you, John, for flying solo. How is my background noise? Because I'm always thinking about you're, that. You're good. Actually, I'm fine. Uh, Schwinn, thank you for gracing us with your presence once again on a consecutive <laughs> week of our Saturday morning locker room. Oh, very rare people would I allow 15 minutes at the beginning of a show. But of course, I have to ask this. How many times are you seeing Fast 9 this weekend? Uh, I mean, the goal is at least three, right? I think at least three. That's it? Um, that would, I mean, you got to go at least once a day. I mean, I, I have to save rewatches. For like future weeks too, you know I can't. That is very fair. Yeah, you can't just knock it out of the park. How was it? You 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 were a big fan, right? So I will uh, let me make sure I have some type of cinephile bone of uh, credibility after this. It's not what I texted you is that it's sorely (laughs) missing the rock and Statham, like just flat out. My two favorite parts of this franchise are not in it. However, like the third act, I was just smiling ear to ear because they did it that's all i'm gonna say is they did it this this franchise doesn't doesn't try to make sense they're not trying to have the the physics or anything make sense i i'm all in all right that's all i had thank you for joining us yeah thanks for having me on guys you're the best i'll talk to you soon um quite literally soon in two weeks we have shwinny food coming on for a crossover so stay tuned for that folks yeah, and we also have uh, some other speaker requests, although not too many. So, um, but I will I will get to one right now. So, our good friend, he comes on every week, James Stanzioni. Hello, James. James, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. How are you guys doing? I am wonderful. Now that I am, of course, speaking to you. Hello. <laughs> Great, great. Um, so I have a question. What do you guys think would have more value? Would it be uh? 21 and Obi or 21 and 19? Is that like a dumb question? No, it's not a dumb question at all. You're essentially asking what has more value, what has more value, Obi Toppin or the 19th pick in this draft? Um, if I'm the Knicks, I think the answer is easily Obi Toppin because I've put a year into his development um, and I like what I saw over the last month of the season. Um, he also seems to be really good good like uh a good culture kid um he seems to be ingrained with like the framework of the team he seems to love being here they seem to love him uh all of the things he seems like a tibbs guy like you go down the list i think for your average nba team uh i mean i I mean obviously i don't know the answer if i had to guess i would say probably 50 50 um what, what why what are your thoughts well, no, I'm just trying to think because I don't know how we would, like, our best option to move up. Obviously, we're not trying to trade RJ quickly. So, um. I don't think they're trying to. I, I, listen, if you ask me to bet up and down the list of guys who are going to be back next year, 
Like Obi might not be number one on my list. I mean, that's that's RJ, but like maybe Quickly's two. But like, I don't know if you had, if you had gun to my head right now. If you're like, who's gonna get traded first, Julius Randle or Obi Toppin? There's like I could t- I think I think Randall goes on top uh, goes above on top of Toppin above Toppin, um, but it's not like clear as day. Like there, I could see them talking themselves into trading Randall. Okay, okay. Well, you could trade Randall before draft night or on draft night. How does that work? Oh, you can trade Randall whenever. You can trade Randall right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it it's just um because he. There are rules about trading a guy uh, if they've signed an extension, and obviously you can't trade a guy who's uh, entering free agency. Um, but Randall isn't entering uh, free agency. So, yeah. Right. And do you think they, they would get calls from, like, the top five, six teams about quickly? Uh, what do you mean the top – like, the like, – And the oh, – dra- like, like, would we trade quickly for, like, the third pick? Like, I, I don't know if I would, but I'm saying, do you think, like, teams oh my, would actually – No, the, the, the top five – the top four picks – in this draft are essentially untouched. I'll, I'll, I'll actually say this. I mean, again, I have no inside information. I'm just going by whatever tea leaves I could read. Um, but I do read a lot of stuff and listen to a lot of stuff on this. You could treat the enti- the first four picks of this draft as having a higher value than the first pick in last year's draft. And I would say all the way down to four, um, Probably the fourth pick in this draft, which is going to be who's ever left over of Mobley Green and Suggs, would have like more value than probably like the second pick of most. Like no, th- those teams are not trading those picks unless it's for, I, I mean, a, like a, a, I don't know, a, a, a young player on a rookie contract who looks like he's going to be an all star. I guess. Um, well, yeah, like Cleveland wouldn't take Randall for the fourth pick. That that wouldn't make sense, right? Well, they they have three, but like oh, so, three, okay. Just in terms of just in terms of value, um, like would Randall be enough to get them into the top four of this draft? No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, you know, it would. It would. I. I, just, I don't think. I don't think the top four teams are trading. I think you know maybe you could have. A, you could get into a conversation with um, the Magic at five. But like again, if I'm if I'm understanding the valuations of this draft properly, and I might not be, but if I am. I think something like Golden State doing seven and fourteen, like would probably like Orlando would probably say no to that. Orlando would be like, "Fine, give us seven, fourteen, and Wiseman," and then Golden State would 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 say no. Pro- I, I my guess would they would say no, but um, it's like that's that's the type of thing. So like quickly, not that they're going to put quickly on the table, but like quickly, I don't know. Quickly might get them. Here's here's the quickly trade. You want to quickly trade? Um, nineteen and quickly for ten and Eric Bledsoe. Am I doing that trade? No, I'm not doing that trade. But that's a trade yeah. that I can see. Yeah. So, Andrew, you got any thoughts uh, to add on? So, the idea of of trading like two picks for one or quickly to jump up, I think, and this is something I catch myself doing that I get caught in football brain, where like two first round picks, that's a valuable thing to have. But the NBA being so top heavy, like if you get a top five pick, it's really tough to trade it. Like when we were talking about trading up for Lonzo, uh, excuse me, Lamelo last year, and the precedent of how many times that's happened, a team trading out of the top three, it's just rarely do you do that and not also get the top five or six pick. So mm-hmm. 
I think if you're if you're looking to trade for three or four, you'd need to have seven. So like we're talking multiple trades would have to happen. I don't think quick like James, you said quickly and nineteen, you wouldn't do that for number three. I don't think Cleveland would want that for number three. Or even maybe Randall well, gets now, it done. Now, but... I'm, now I'm thinking about it and maybe I'm a little crazy. Yeah, maybe I would do it. Not crazy, just, not crazy. I, mean, I, I think it's hard we letting, just go, also... letting go of your players that you love, you know. You so John to... just said it with Schwinn. Like, it's more valuable to me than it is to you. Like, we value... Like, you want to trade up into the top three part with RJ Barrett. Like, that's the actual mm-hmm. move you would well, have to make. Yeah, I would yeah. actually, I would actually go a step further. And, th- and James, as always, thank you for for coming up. And oh, sorry, James, I accidentally. Oh you no! <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Get, James back up here. <laughs> wow. Um, actually, can I make you the co-host? I, can make I was about co-host. to say, make me the host, and I'll direct traffic if you want. Yeah, you're much better at this than me. Um, the, the one thing here. So here's how, uh, and there's also a comment in the chat about Cleveland mm-hmm. wanting to compete. Makes Randall and picks for three makes sense, but it won't happen. I don't think that they're like, uh, and uh, also uh, Mensa Smith said they're they're also not trading Julius Randall. I don't think they're trading Julius Randall, but specifically, I do think if there was a case where they traded Julius Randall, it would be a situation where Julius Randall was completely on board with um with the trade. And like it was in furtherance of his career, and it was in further of the furtherance of the Knicks' interest. So, like right. for example, I'm not saying this is a trade that I can see happening, but um, doing Randall for seven and fourteen, and maybe a future like, and maybe a future Warriors pick. Although the Warriors would probably be the ones asking for a pick back from us, but like something like that. So then you got seven. And 14, and let's say you still have 19 or 21. Then you package 7 and 14 and maybe 19 plus two or three future firsts. That might get you in range to draft Jalen Green. I know that sounds insane, but in my estimation, that's what it's going to take up to, to trade into the top three of the draft. I think you just described Sam Presti's, like, wet dream like that like having four first round picks in the top 21 but no actual chances at a star is like his his actual but that's what, like but, life long-term goal but this is what zach and and um and mike schmitz were talking about on the pod the other day like sam presti can go because it's like it's to your point about the value of first round picks in the nfl versus the nba sam presti can go to um, uh, Troy, uh, was it Troy Weaver running things in in Detroit, and be like, yeah. here's here's eighteen first round picks, and you know what? If I'm if I'm Troy Weaver, I'd be like, thanks, but I'm going to take the next, you know, the next guy. Right. Yeah. Kate is anyway. Kate is more valuable. All right, James, go ahead. What was the? Yeah, so I don't know if I like cut off. No, that's a I, I know- operator error. You're good. Okay, yeah, I know everyone's saying how like it's pretty like. We're not going to have three rookies, which I get. Like, like Tibbs doesn't want to have three rookies. Just made the playoffs, and we're looking to like, you know, bring on some veterans on the uh, end of the bench. But like, from a team building perspective, nineteen and twenty-one are on pretty fair deals. And if you, I know it's hard, but if you nail both of those picks, you're basically having two decent, uh, two quality players for like cheap money. And and, um, I want to even go a step further, and and that's a good question, James. Um, I think. 
Because here's the thing. If you, like, NBA rookies, and I'm obviously not the first person to say this, but, like, it's like uh, buying a new car. The second you drive it off the lot, it goes down 10%. And then if your rookie spends the year on the bench, um, then they're, they're whatever. They're going to have, like, I mean, look at Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin probably has, like, 50% of his value around the league um, than that he did a year ago because he just didn't play a lot. So that's – and, like, you can only get so many guys into the rotation. So, like, from a value proposition, it's not smart. However, however, there is one rookie in this class um, who is going to step in right away probably and play 20, 25 minutes a night, and that's Chris Duarte from Oregon. So that is, like, if the Knicks look at it and be like, well, we can re-sign Reggie Bullock for three years and $30 million, or – we could just draft Chris Duarte to do – he's not exactly the same as Bullock, but to essentially be Reggie Bullock and make $10 million over the next four years, that's a great value proposition. It doesn't mean they'll do it, but that's the way – that's that's how I see them keeping all the picks. Okay, yeah, because I, I just – I know um, – I, I listened to the pod you had and um, the guy from the uh, 76ers or whatever, I think he mentioned how – you know, when you trade up, there's a lot of pressure on you because now everyone's like, oh, you could have had this, this, and that. Yeah. Uh, but you traded up instead and, and didn't even get the guy that you should have gotten. But, but yeah, I, thank, I, you, thank you guys yeah, no. for letting me talk. James, you're the man. Thank you. I, I, don't think, I don't think they'll be gun-shy for what it's worth. I think, they'll, I think that's one of the things that um, – one of the benefits that you get if you're Leon Rose and you just had the year that you had. Like, you could take a swing because you've kind of earned that right. You're – you know, you're Leon fucking Rose. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You want to get the next person up here? Let's do it. Uh, one of our usual contributors, Mr. Justin Richards. Welcome to the pod. What's up? Hello, How are you guys doing today? I'm great. How are you, man? Good, good, good Saturday again. Happy Saturday, everyone. Um, so I guess I just have like a it's a philosophical question first. Um, because we're talking about trading up and whatnot. Do you think if you trade up for someone, that person has to be? Well, I'll take I'll take a step back. If you're not like a team that's going to be a contender next year, like going into it, like you know, like the Nets or the Lakers. Do you think trading up for someone that player has to be a star, or could it just be someone that fits a fits a role or fits a, a need? Because my thinking is that if the Knicks are going to trade up for someone, I can see it not backfiring, but if the 
player is just a good player and then player X, you know, after they trade up becomes like that star player, even if he doesn't fit the team at all, I can see that going wrong for them. I mean, I teams teams have traded up for a guy that doesn't profile. I mean, actually, Tibbs <laughs> is funny. Tibbs is uh, what was it? His third or fourth year in Chicago. They traded up from actually a similar place that the Knicks are in right now to get Doug McDermott, and and Doug McDermott uh, proceeded to average you know like three and a half points a game. Um, in uh, in Chicago, and then you know soon was was shipped off. Well, my my question is, was that coming off the year that they made the East Conference Finals? No, I don't believe so. Or was that, that the year was before couple, that? That was a couple years later. Um, but, but, I, my, but my point is, is that like they already established something. I understand like they never got back to that place of the East Conference Finals, but I feel like that run for them, they had enough credibility in the idea of like, all right, like we are in this championship window right now. And everyone kind of saw that. I don't think the Knicks are in that right now. They could be next year, but that's kind of the way I'm thinking about it. And look, I, I'm not um, poo pooing the idea of trading up for someone. I think that's actually smart. I think they need to consolidate their picks. It's just, I, I do wonder if the guy doesn't become like a headline type guy, it's going to look bad on them especially that they're kind of in this, like, middle tier of, the like, the Eastern Conference. Well, yeah, so I um, I think it's – so here's why it's a tough question to answer because Mikal Bridges, right? Mikal mm-hmm. Bridges is not anybody's definition of a star, correct? Nope. Okay. Mikal Bridges is about to get paid $100 million this offseason. Um, he is – what you need to win in the NBA today. He is a shooting, defending wing that gives you size and has faint hints of shot creation. Like, somebody traded up to get that dude. And I think, like, no, he's not a star. But again, you don't get to trade up for a star because the only two guys in the NBA today who were traded up to get, or who somebody traded up to get, are um, Luka Doncic, who was traded, obviously, who was – that doesn't really count because the guy in the, on the other end of the deal was also has star qualities. And then Donovan Mitchell, who, like, I mean, I, I don't think any – you know, even Walt Perrin, I can't imagine he foresaw that coming, but maybe he did. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem like there is anyone with Mitchell quality. So to answer your question from a philosophical point of view, I think it's okay to do it. But you better make sure you're getting a Bridges level player. Um, so yeah, yeah. Also, in that um, my other point too is like I'm curious in the idea because I like I think Swin mentioned it where Tibbs kind of hinted at they're they're thinking about grabbing a wing or more shooting. But I think this team like we I mean we talked about for a, a while like desperately needs like playmaking and um, shot creation and there are guys that they could trade up for that do provide that, but also there's someone like right there at 19, which you just talked about in Trey Mann, who I think they should draft. I think the problem with that is the team gets really clunky because I don't see how they're going to be able to draft someone like Mann, bring back Rose, and get another guard to start. It's more of like, well, why don't you just draft Boat Knight and just put him on the bench 
and then maybe he becomes that point guard in like a year or two. That would make more sense to me. I don't know if you had any like thoughts on like whether or not getting the wing, because I think the wing helps right now, but I think eventually they have to address that playmaking shot creation type guy. Yeah, I I think, of course they do. And like, you know, uh, all due respect to Schwinn's uh, point about Steph Curry, maybe being able to test the market. I, I, I don't I know that there's no obvious answer coming in free agency um, anytime soon for 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 the for longstanding, uh, you know, put put Kyle Lowry and, and, and guys older guys aside. Like, so on one hand, you're tempted to be like, well, shit, if we you know, where are we getting this guy? Let's take a shot. But at the same time, like, I don't know, I, I, I think you have to trust I, I, if there's like a tie. Then it's like Ty goes to the runner. Well, Ty goes to the guy that could potentially become, you know, a ball handling shot creator. But like, if they, if they're more, if they're far more sold on another guy, I think you you take the other guy, and I think you have to trust the fact that, like, look, you put yourself back on the map, um, and they would be even more on the map if they hadn't gone for the for the for the uh, home run swing a couple of years ago. With Kevin Knox, and they had just done the thing that everybody wanted them to do, which is take Macau Bridges. Because now, if you did that, guess what? You don't have to be as desperate to draft a wing, uh, you know, to, in this draft, and you may be able to take an additional. It's like so. There's this stuff always has a trickle down effect. I, I, I think like you know, trust your scouting. Obviously, personally on book night, I don't see him as a point guard. I see him as just a straight like. You know, his ceiling, no, I don't know. Yeah, his... I agree. I have no – like, for people who want to draft that guy, I I understand he might be tempting and maybe he turns into, like, bouncy Zach Levine. But I well, don't, I don't know, know what man. I don't does. know about – you mean less, would... less bouncy Zach Levine. Um... Yeah, but I don't know what he actually does well for this team next year. That's really yeah. my thing. I don't know what exactly he's supposed to do. Like, running – Jumping, that's cool, but like that's not what we need. I mean, well, you know, we'll see. Um, I, I I need to dig into book night a little bit more, but anyway, thank you for for coming up and uh, and giving me some good stuff to think about as always. Um, Andrew, how are we doing? Buddy? Yes, we're good. Justin, thank you as always, man. No doubt. Uh, we're good. You know, uh, green room, given some some technical issues, which no, you know, no. I, I, Who'd have thought? Uh, thankfully, the chat's still working, and we have formulated a line. Uh, I have invited our next speaker to the stage, and he is here. Uh, Mensa, welcome to the stage. What's going on, man? Hi, guys. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great. Oh, perfect. All right. So, um, yeah, I've been a long-time listener. I love what you guys do over at our KFS. I just want to say thank you for helping a ton of Knicks fans get through, you know, tough times, and we're here. So, um, <laughs> thank you, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. That means a lot. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, so my first question—not well, really question, but I just want to. So the way I look at, I guess, basketball is not necessarily what position do the Knicks need to fill, but what problems did the Knicks have this season, and how can we get better at filling those problems? So I think one of the problems we had this year was um, we weren't able to generate easy buckets, and we weren't able to get out on the break. Um, just uh, because of that, I don't think that the Knicks necessarily need a point guard as much as they need somebody who can break a defense down and somebody who can push the ball 
down in, um, on a fast break just because RJ, if you go back and watch any of the 72 games RJ Barrett played this year, you would see that he beats everybody down at least four or five times a game. And, and whether it's Alfred Payton not having his head up and making the pass or Julius yeah. Randle wanted to bring the ball up, he's not getting the ball. And that's robbing RJ of maybe four to six efficient baskets or four to six efficient points a game. So, um, with that being said, we have Luca Vildoza on the roster. I don't think he came over from from Spain just to sit on the bench for a year. I think he's going to be playing. We have him quickly. I agree but, with you. I don't think he would have come over if they if there wasn't some understanding. Like, let me put it this way: if he's on the team next year, he's playing. I, I would imagine. Right. Um, and we have Derek Rose, so I don't really think that we need a point guard. I think we can give Emmanuel quickly like a sink or swim year there, as far as whether or not he can play the point guard position and take those reins over. And then on top of that, um, I guess I can be a bit of a conspiracy theorist, but we also have um, Leon Rose's nephew, Jalen Brunson, who is an impending free agent either this year or next year. So we probably may not next year. Yeah. We may not necessarily need to go and pay a guy, you know, two and three years to play point guard. So I do think that with the draft this year, the Knicks are probably going to end up going for more shooting or um, shot creation. And, and also just off the um, the draft coverage that I've been listening to, a lot of people say that there is pretty much like like a it, the competition, not the competition, the talent levels out after pick maybe nine. So I think there's ample room for the Knicks to trade up for nineteen to twenty one, either with Golden State or with a team like even get as high up as um I think ten. I think New Orleans says ten. New Orleans says um, ten, yeah. So I do think the home run pick for the Knicks would be. Um, Moses Moody or James Booknight, I think those two guys are exactly what the Knicks have needed ever since we passed on Mikael Bridges for uh, he who shall not be named. Um, <laughs> and um, but So how do you feel about, I think, if the Knicks didn't make a big upgrade at point guard and if they did trade up, if it was for a Moody or a Booknight kind of guy? I mean, I completely agree with you that there's no, there's no rule that says you have to have um, a shot creating point guard, you could get your shot creation elsewhere on the roster. And like, even if you, even if you look at a team like Phoenix, Phoenix has, you know, arguably the best point guard of the last 15 years. His usage rate was, if you look at it this year, it was like, I don't know, whatever it was, it was, it was damn low. It was like 17, 18. Um, he did not have the ball that much. I mean, it was it was almost the threat of Chris Paul was was not as important as actual Chris Paul. But, you know, it was in the in the same vein. And then obviously you look at teams like the Clippers. Um, you know, and if, if you're lucky enough to get, but like the it's it's when it comes to the playoffs, I think as we're seeing now, it is how feared is the guy on your team who needs to have the ball, who, who has the ball in his hands the most. How feared is the most feared guy on your team? And then obviously that, you know, he, the reason he's feared is because he could he could generate offense on his own. I just think the, the reason why most of the time it's point guards is because it's, it's kind of easier for those guys because they're smaller and the way the rules are nowadays for them to, you know, leverage their size and their ball handling to get into the lane. And then those guys also happen to be the shooters. Um, this is a very long-winded way of saying, I think that the notion that you can get one of those guys in either a book night or a moody, it's like, if they, if either of them, I think showed that level of potential shot creation, I don't think that the, a team in position to draft them 
would be willing to trade them away. I think the reason why, like, for instance, you see Keon Johnson being mocked so high is because that's a guy that his it's like there it's like the faintest traces of it, but he has shown a little bit of that a little bit of that shot creation. Obviously, Book Knight has scored a ton of points, um, which is which is fantastic, and he can he could do some stuff inside the arc. But then it's like okay, if you draft him and the shot doesn't come around, and this is a little bit to what James was I think saying, um, or uh, Justin, excuse me, um, like what is he? Um, especially since he doesn't profile to be a point guard. So then it's like, okay, I have a small-ish guard who has who struggles with his shot. He can get to the rim. He has some moves and whatnot, um, you know, but he might be targeted on defense, can't really play him a point guard. That's why you see him being mocked, you know, where he is. It's like, so, but but it's like, it, it's like a trade-off. So, it, but you're, that's why I look at this stuff with like, if this thing comes around, where is this player then? And then it's like, how likely is it the thing, that the thing comes around? If Book Knight's shot comes around, like then you, then you nailed it. It's like you nailed the pick, and that's a guy that's gonna not change your franchise maybe, but like help be that guy. And then all of a sudden, if you put him next to an RJ and a Randall, and you get some modicum of of creation from your point guard. You know, your team is more a little bit more collaborative than most of the teams that we see that succeed in the NBA. But like, you could get somewhere with that. Um, I just don't know if it's as if it's quite as automatic as you're. Not, not that I think you're making it out to be automatic, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the, the the thing with Booknight obviously is the shooting, um, but looking with that's that's all about you know like actual actually having a player development system with New York because. For sure. You know, we we just saw R.J. Barrett go from you know a guy that you that Anthony Edwards didn't said you know that the Timberwolves wanted to shoot the last shot to become you know a sniper and the most efficient shooter from the left corner in the entire NBA. We watched yeah. Julius Randle go from a twenty nine percent shooter to a forty one percent shooter. And is there noise in that sample size? Yes, because you know the empty gyms and all that sort of stuff. But this is the first year that we've had you know a team you know we've had like player development and since since I've been following the Knicks. Um, which has been like since like maybe oh seven or something. So to to have the Knicks believe in their system and say we can take this guy and make him more than what everybody else sees, I think that's the risk that you're taking. I think it's a risk that uh, Walt Perrin took with um, Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell was not a very efficient player at um, yeah. Louisville. You had to look at you know the ACC play to see a much different player. But over the year, over the entire sample size, he wasn't the most efficient. But they put him in that Utah Jazz system. They they and they let him go. They let him play the game. They let him grow as a player. And I think that's that's all of that is player development. So I think we can do the same with James Booknight. And another thing with Booknight is that he's going to want to be a New York Knicks because he's from Brooklyn. I and if the Knicks like are that. telling him that you have to be a better shooter, he's going to work hard to be a better shooter. And these are the things that you have to bet on. You know, you have to bet on, the, uh, I guess, the, the integrity of the player. You have to bet on your player development system. And of course, the leverage of, you know, having of trading up. Is it worth it? Which actually brings me to, I guess, my last question for you is do you think that the Knicks would trade out of this draft in order to keep that asset of, a, of another first round pick because you know it's kind of like once you drive it off the lot you lose value yeah. with the first round pick and I think the Knicks still over everything else they want a star player whether they can get it with the draft which is probably unlikely when you have picks 19 and 21 
or if you get it through free agency or through trade. So maybe it may be more valuable to the Knicks if they don't look at any of these guys as a potential starter or as somebody who can be a person that you can flip for a first round for um for a talent like a like a Bradley Beal or um or Kawhi Leonard or whoever or a Dane Lillard on the market if they would trade out just to keep that pick and say we have now we have two first round picks in 2022 or we have three in 2023 or whatever it would be. Do you think that would be a strategy that the Knicks might take? It's a great question to end on. And, and thanks, Spencer, for, for coming up. Um, I, I Did I mention that? I think I mentioned this in the newsletter maybe on um, – maybe yes. Can and should be and are thinking about that because I completely agree with you. I think – if it unless they feel like they can trade up and get a player who's going to be a difference making player for them, I think they would rather increase their asset base for you know the 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 star trade that clearly they think is there at some point. The only reason I hesitate is because it doesn't seem like that's something that happens all that much in the NBA. Um, Teams are a little bit looser with first round picks now, so maybe that changes. But like, I I I wouldn't mind if they did that at all. Because, I mean, especially with an organization that maybe isn't a great organization. Yeah, I, I just quick comment like the knowledge and informed manner that this fan base is in just continually amazes me every Saturday. I just. Well done, Mensum, Justin, uh, Schwinn, obviously. This is it, – it's it's pretty cool to always see. It, um, it is awesome. <laughs> Perry, thank you for I'm, – I'm inviting our next speaker up here. Perry, welcome to the – What's up, guys? How's it going? Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you great, Perry. Loud and clear. Awesome. Sounds good. Just want to start off by saying – just echo what everyone else has said, that you guys have built such an awesome community here. And that's brought me so much joy over the past years, especially this last year, which has been a better one for the Knicks and not the world. But <laughs> thank you, guys. Uh, um, thank you so much for, for saying that, man. We appreciate it. For sure. Yeah. So my question today is something I've been thinking about since the lottery went down, which is I've been thinking a lot about the Cleveland Cavs and the number three pick, which I'm thinking if Mobley goes number two, which seems to be what a lot of people seem to be projecting, that it puts them in a position where they have, you know, guys like Suggs, guys like Green available yeah. at the number three pick. And then they have this log jam with Sexton, Garland, and, you know, even Wings like Okoro that they've invested a lot of capital in over the past few drafts. And what I've been thinking is, you know, we're not getting anywhere near that number three pick. I have no delusions about that. But I think that there's a shot that we could get around guys like Sexton and Garland with the right package, especially if with our flexibility, we're able to take on an Albatross contract like Kevin Love. Um, and something I wanted to throw out there was, what is the package to get one of those two guards who you know could make a big impact in our team, but might be a little bit redundant if you know, Mobley's number two pick, then the Cavs are left with, you know, these guard options at number three. So I just wanted to throw that out there for you guys. I actually um, wrote a little bit about this this week. I... I just try to re-pick up whatever snippets I can um, 
from reading the guys that cover that team and talk about that team. I don't think Garland's going anywhere. I think they believe in Garland. I think they think Garland is a better player than Sexton. Um, I actually, wait, no, I, I had someone on the, the uh, Andrew, who do we have on the podcast that talked about Cleveland? Uh, I think it might have actually been when we were on with uh, with Dan when we went on Hardwood Knox. He mentioned the idea of oh, trading was, for. We had we had a Cavs guy on the who then got hired by the Cavs. Oh, oh, Justin, Justin Rowan. Okay, yes, of the of the. Yeah, he. I think he actually said that like Garland's like we think that Garland is better than Sexton. Um, I also think they they are high on Okoro. Um, just, I mean, I'm personally high on the core and I, I don't think his trade value is that great right now. I think the guy that you're going to look at is them wanting to trade is Sexton. Here's the problem. Um, so I wrote this a couple weeks ago. Sexton is one of like, not very many guys his age or younger who has averaged, uh, whatever it is, 24 points, six, re- six assists. And, um, I forget what the third marker I used was maybe three point percentage and like all of the other guys who have done it are like max contract guys or are going to be max contract guys if they're still on their, on their rookie deal. So, you know, and like Sexton's looking around, he's looking at guys from his draft Cal bridges. Yes. Those are excellent players who probably, who, who contribute a lot to winning, but if you're Sexton's agent, you're going to look at the stats that those guys have, and you're going to point to those stats when you try to negotiate with Cleveland and be like, my guy averages twice as many points as that dude, and he shoots, you know, just as well from, from three-point range. Pay me. And so I think the, the complicated issue with Sexton is you're not just trading for Sexton. You're trading for the right to pay Sexton's next contract, which, by the way, he could sign this summer. So... If his agent is like, yeah, where our, our negotiating starting point is the max and maybe we'll give you some leeway, but like they're essentially not backing off of anything like low, lower than four for a hundred. Like what assets do you want to give up to bet that you're that, that, that contract is not going to cripple you. And that Colin Sexton is not like, not fool's gold. Like you can't average that many points if you're like fool's gold in the NBA, but like just to throw, I'm going to do this really quick. I'm stealing from a newsletter from next week. So Ben Gordon, everybody remember Ben Gordon with the bulls, Ben Gordon, his fresh, his first year in the league averaged 15 points on a 47 effective field goal percentage. Second year in the league averaged 17 points on a 49 effective field goal percentage. Third year in the league averaged 21 and a half points on a 51 effective field goal percentage, then things went sideways. Detroit signed him to a big contract. It ended up crippling their cap for years. Ben Gordon started off his career on exact, maybe not exactly the trajectory that Colin Sexton is on, but like something close. It turned out to be fool's gold when he was given a bigger role and, and what have you. Now that's a little different because he was coming off the bench, but another guy, one, one last guy, Andrew Wiggins. Went from 17 points a game to 20.7 to nearly 24 points a game in his third year. Also upped his effective field goal percentage every season um, to the point where he was 36% from three in that third year. Minnesota was like, okay, great. We'll give you the max before we even need to. Had that max contract worked out. So I think like looking at what a guy has done in a losing situation over their first three years 
and trying to be like, all we need to do is get him into a better, a better system with a better coach and this and that. Like, I'm just a little, I'm a little scared because what I, what I see on the floor from Colin Sexton is a guy who, who I'm not sure if he has the ball in his hands for a large majority of the time is going to be able to contribute to winning. Um, but you know, what's the price? You know, uh, Perry, like, what would you, what would you give up? So you would take on Kevin Love basically to get Colin Sexton. So this is something I've been thinking about, and I also I think you were talking about the the low post episode from you know the last couple of days where he was they were also talking about Kevin Love and you know if the if the Sixers would think about you know taking on Kevin Love and potentially having like a stretch four that could play next yes. to Embiid if he's healthy and also if he's you know rebuilt some value after the Olympics if uh, you know Kevin Love could then be swapped you know OKC style where you take on something you know at the front end. And then, you know, are getting something back on the back end if you're able to swap Kevin Love after that for value, you know, for a team that might be a contender. And I think that, you know, there's a case to be made that Kevin Love isn't done. I'm, you know, I'm not sure that I'd be the one making that case right now. Um, and I think the Knicks, you know, need shooting. They need, you know, stretch, stretchability next to Randall as well. Um, I don't know if I'm, I'm ready to say we should take on Kevin Love, but... Um, I also don't know what we give up. I don't know if, like, you know, if taking on Kevin Love, you know, decreases the, you know, what you need to give up to get sex and buy, you know, that much. And, yeah. if, you know, other teams are, are willing to do that as well. You know, so. I, I don't, I don't love the, because just like Thibodeau is so dead set on having not necessarily a vertical rim protector in the middle, but like, because like Taj obviously is not what you would call a vertical rim protector, but like, Someone who is a center that can, like, handle the pick and roll, uh, defending the pick and roll. And, like, yeah, we complained at times that Noel wasn't perfect at it. And, obviously, you know, Mitch has had, had his ups and downs. But, like, more or less, you could depend on that on that pick and roll coverage. And I think looking at what the Hawks have done in the two rounds since they played the Knicks – um, we could even look at what we did against their against their pick and roll attack in the first round and be like, shit, Thibodeau really did make these guys pretty proficient at that at that level of defense. Kevin Love can't do that. He's just not so like to me. He's kind of a little bit of a guy who doesn't have a position in the league today because he kind of has to be your stretch four, which the Knicks already have two fours. Like I, I'd look at him as like maybe a buyout guy if they bought him out, but. To me, I, I think they there are there are more important things that they have to do with their money. That all that being said, I appreciate the creativity, Perry, and, and uh, I'm always I'm always for looking for creative ways to use our cap space. Yeah, really appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, of course, absolutely, man. Perry. Thank you, sir. Uh, okay, so pressed for time. So for our final oh, Andrew, two you're, you're requests, we're gonna go six. To seven minutes on. Oh, you're so breaking up a little bit, Andrew. Thank you. Oh no! Can you hear me now? Yes. Can you? I can hear you. Can you hear me now? All right. We're gonna go six, six or seven minutes on, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, next, let me double check. Uh, I said his name, Adam. Okay, let me grab Adam real quick. This is incredible radio here on a Saturday. <laughs> I like it personally. Oh, I'm glad you're enjoying yourself, John. Adam, welcome. What's, What's going, going on, on guys? Good, y'all. It's uh, 
you know, kind of echoing what everyone else said, I've been a, a KFS follower for a while. And um, I think we've had like a few social media interactions, but it's actually cool to be up here uh, finally the, talking with y'all. The name absolutely uh, rings a bell. So yeah, thank you so much. And it's, it's good to talk to you as well. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, kind of something that has been touched on a bit, but I'm just sort of curious about, you know, the, I think the top like trade up prospects it kind of always seems to be moody and book night and you know it makes like a ton of sense like i love both of those guys but i'm just sort of curious you know like tom thibodeau kind of has the reputation of like having the short rookie leash i think you know with nick's history with like kevin knox being like the the raw physical tools guy that didn't quite pan out like i'm wondering if some of the the possible trade-up prospects like you know, Keon Johnson, um, Josh Giddy, just kind of the guys that we don't know as much about, where it's kind of like projecting what they could become one day. Are those, do you think those guys are, you know, possible trade-up prospects? Um, because, yeah, I mean, it's it's this whole conversation of like trying to find a role for the team next year. Um, but it's like, you know, we'll, we'll obviously see what happens with free agency and who the Knicks sign because I mean, obviously IQ had a big role this past year, but you know, the Knicks get a lot out of like journeyman role players and, and veterans. So yeah, really just, is it at all possible that the Knicks kind of take a shot at one of those kind of wild card Supreme athletes or just, you know, guys we don't know a whole lot about. I, I think it's a, I think it's a great question. Um, let me tell you this. If the Knicks traded up to get Keon Johnson, I almost, I, I, I almost, almost wouldn't care what they traded up to get him because that to me would indicate like the, a true, like all the, you know, a, a true belief in their uh, development system. Because Keon Johnson, again, I'm, I, I'm obviously not the first person to say this, um, is, Someone that t- like he seems like outside of the top five, he has the highest ceiling because obviously the defense is already there, all the little things are already there. You see the the glimmers of shot creation. Is is the shot for can can the shot become real? Um, I was about to say is the shot real. That would imply that he had a shot in Tennessee and he obviously did not. Um, so um, you know, will they do it? I have I honestly. I have no idea. Um, I don't know that we've gotten. I don't know that we've gotten any indications from them that like that that move is in the offing. And let, I mean, can you think of anything? Because like I'm just I'm just trying to think back through the year and like evidence that we've gotten. Um, maybe the topping pick is a sign of that. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting to think about because yeah, I think. Toppin sort of had those expectations of like the the NBA ready guy, but you know maybe maybe the Knicks didn't think that, and they always this whole time they kind of thought he was like a two to three years down the line. Let's see what we have, that's guy. What that's what I'm starting to think is you know they 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 knew, and especially since like you know there was a way to ins- to get the most out of Obi Toppin in his rookie year. And it was to give him the same role that he had at uh, Dayton. They made an overt, clear effort to give him a completely different role. 
which was essentially the stretch four, and never just, like, give it to him on the block or, like, run pick and roll for him, space it out. Like, I don't think it's that they didn't know what they were doing. I just think that they're like, we're going to play the long game with this guy. So maybe we could be encouraged with that. Um, you know, in terms of, like, specific guys, you would do that. Like, again, Keon Johnson, the obvious one. I don't see them having the ammunition to go up to get him. I think Franz Wagner is the other guy. Um, because mm-hmm. again, the, the shot is, is, is your, you know, the offensive game. I wouldn't even say the shot. The offensive game is not quite there yet, but he's a guy that again, if the offensive game comes around, you look at all the other stuff that that guy does and you're like, Oh wow, this guy's going to be a real player. Um, uh, I think that's, I mean, Moody, I mean, if, if there are some people that think that Moody has a little bit of shot creation upside. Um, and then I guess Giddy would be the other one, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. I, sorry, I just think really quickly, I think it's also something that can even be applied to like, if they kept 19 and 21, like, do they, do they, with one of those picks, like, do they take one of the, you know, Duarte, Kispert, like the, the win now guys. And then yeah. like, you know, just trying to think of names off the top of my head, like Isaiah Jackson or Zaire Williams, like the kind of project guys maybe they get one of those guys well, and another ready contributor or something like see, that the reason why and, and nobody wants to hear this but like the reason why i think um aside from the kentucky connection and aside from the fact that he just signed with caa um why i think um what isaiah jackson is is a possibility for them is because a he could be a chief center for a lot of years um and b i do think there is some upside and the ability to contribute right away um, but like, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go upside, like take Zaire Williams and and Trey Mann. Like, I, I'm not the biggest. Oh, I would be, I'd be very happy Zaire with that. Williams, but like, yeah, I'd be down with that. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Because just really, it's uh, it's always kind of tough to gauge with Thibodeau. Like, you know, trying to project like what this rookie will will be like once he gets there. I mean, but, um... say this quickly played the 16th most minutes of any rookie in the league last year. Now he was one of the five best rookies. So you're like, well, if he's one of the five best rookies, why didn't he play the five, fifth most minutes? And I think you look up at the rookies who played a ton of minutes and almost exclusively they're guys on losing teams. So like 16th minute, 16th most minutes on a winning team. I, you know, it's not just Tibbs that hesitates to play rookies. That's a thing that all coaches do. I think he just gets a bad rap for it. Worse, a worse rap for it than others. Yeah. Anyway, um, but thank you for bringing the bringing the heat, uh, Adam. I appreciate it. Um, yes. Andrew, no, thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, of course, man. Um, we got. Thank one you, more Adam. Go, right. We have one more to go. I I heard most of that, so I I wasn't. I promise those are ignoring you guys. I just have one quick point to make about because you guys talked about Ovi and his role and how it might have been different. Um. Just a reminder, I don't think even the, the most knowledgeable in the Knicks front office saw the season from Julius Randle coming that we did, which vastly sure. changed what Obi Toppin became and what his role was supposed to be on this team. So uh, I think if the right rookie comes along, like R.J. Barrett's 20 years old or was 20 years old and he played the second most minutes in the sport last year. So I don't think it's it's a youth or a rookie thing. It's just a an, an availability or ability thing. So Yep, agree. Last but not least, uh, Jonathan, welcome to the stage once you accept your speaker request. A fantastic name, Jonathan. How are you? <laughs> Thank you. 
how's everything guys first of all uh thank you for everything of course um, don't know don't know really how i would have got through the whole pandemic with reading my newsletter watching the game the post game uh, it's in my constant rotation so guys please never change thank you so uh, don't worry we're not going anywhere uh thank you so much for saying that we appreciate it and andrew too for filling in <laughs> thank you I, I i do my best i you know every batman needs a all right, I want to get on a serious topic here because I've been seeing a lot of this narrative where we... Now, first of all, I don't want to trade Julius and I don't want to trade RJ unless yeah. the right play comes available. So with that being said, why are we afraid to include them for such players because of what they did for us this season? This season was great. It, it felt good. I didn't even know that the lottery happened the other day because I was in my mind with the Knicks in the playoffs. Yeah, you know. So, with that being said, um, I don't think Brooklyn had a problem trading their All Star guard to get to Max's. I don't think they had a problem trading Karis LeVert to Indiana, uh, Jared Allen to Cleveland, and those guys are kind of comparable to Mitch and RJ. I don't think the Clippers had a problem trading SGA to Oklahoma. I don't think uh, what was the other the, the other trade? Uh, uh, Brandon Ingram to New Orleans. Not preferable destinations, but the, these teams got their stars. So is it crazy to think if the right star comes along, like, thank you for your services, Julius? I I think it's two different conversations if you're talking about R.J. Barrett versus um, Julius Randle. I think the R.J. conversation is simpler. It's a matter of what do you think he is eventually? Like, what's his ceiling? I think if you – I mean, if they think that he's on – a track to be Jimmy Butler with a jump shot, then you don't trade him not because of what he did for you last season, but you don't trade him because of what you think he could do for you, you know, two and three and four and, and so on seasons from now. That's, you know, and again, I, I have no idea what their internal calculation is on, on RJ. Um, but J- Julius, I think, is a more complicated one um, just in the sense that, Theoretically, I agree with you. Um, it can be the right move, but in practicality, there's two things that you have to you have to factor in. One, I think um, Brooklyn's whole reputation, with, whereas Russell specifically was concerned, was that. We are a good enough organization where we could take a D'Angelo Russell and we could turn him into the best version of himself. I think the whole thing with New York this year is concerned is we're an organization that now our guys like work. We work hard. We work. We outwork everybody. We try harder than everybody. We buy into what our hard demanding coach requires. And we were able to do that because the people here feel like they are valued and they are part of a family and they are part of a culture. And Julius Randle was at the forefront of that culture. D'Angelo Russell was never at the forefront of anything in Brooklyn. He may have been their nominal all-star, but he wasn't at the forefront of a blessed thing. That was Spencer Dinwiddie's team. And to a certain extent, Karis LeVert's team more than it was D'Angelo Russell's team. So I think when you're talking about Julius Randle and trading him, you're talking about really sending a certain vibe that you maybe don't want to send to the rest of the league who now looks at New York is like, Oh wow, those guys are legitimately trying to do something like, and it's, it's like, there's there, what they're trying to do is real. 
Um, that said, and I, I think I said it earlier on the, on this locker room, if you're if you're going to trade him to a situation where he wants to go, that's a very different story. And if he's on board with it, and the Knicks are on board with it, and obviously the team trading him on board with it is on board with it, that's fine. And then here's the second issue. The second issue is, okay, great. Where do you trade him? Who wants Julius Randle right now? Because if it's a rebuilding team, why would they want Julius Randle? I mean, not to say that he's not a really good player, but like if you're trading for someone, this is the last call. Um, if you're trading for someone that's going to help the Knicks win right now and is like a star level player, like why are they exchanging that player for Julius Randle if they're just trying to go into a rebuild? So then you're like, okay, well, like what? Like, is there an ideal situation that does make sense? And literally, the only one that I can that I can see is is um, Golden State, and it's just because they have the draft picks seven and fourteen. I don't think that would be enough. I think the Knicks would ask for seven, fourteen, and Wiseman, um, and I think they probably have to wind up throwing a pick back in the deal, and then Golden State. Can, can talk itself into like, okay, now we have Julius Randle to add to Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Obviously some issues there because you got two, like a power forward and then Draymond Green at center who doesn't really shoot, but like whatever, you can make it work. Defensively, you got some issues, but whatever, you could probably work around it. Um, does Golden State want to do that? I have no idea. Do the Knicks want to do that? I have no idea. Ju- uh, I thought James Wiseman sucked last year. Um, I think he might not be very good. Um you know, and if that's the prize piece from that deal, like, but again, that's that's the Knicks not taking a step forward. That's the Knicks taking a step back. So all that said, I don't see a clean fit, but I don't think in principle it's something that they just will refuse to do. Yeah, I actually like because I just wanted to know, do they feel like tied to these two players? Because, for example, you mentioned what RG can give you. Is the best that RJ can give you is what he can produce on the court or the friendship for Zion? You know, like, are you afraid to deal RJ for, let's say, a Levine or a Beal for the hopes of landing Zion, where we got duped many times before thinking somebody would come here? Uh, sorry, I had to mute myself for a sec. Yeah, no, I think the Zion-RJ thing is absolutely legit. At the same time, like, I don't think that's why you hold on to, to RJ. I think it's like maybe it's like a 5% of the calculation, but that's it. Um, Julius, I think it's a t- it, just his his um, role as a drawing card is tougher because, like, we still don't know. Like, I think I think stars around the NBA will, like, feel comfortable playing next to Julius Randle. I don't think anyone's beaten down the door to play with him, which there's, like, a slight difference between those two things. Because I, I think you echo this many times where you would – Pay Julius his max this summer. Are you, oh, yeah. if you have a pause for pause for you to pay him his max in 2022, I think we should uh, honestly consider what we're really doing here. I, I'm, I'm all for. I, I, I do think they want a star in the building to go into the uh, free agency 2022. That's what I do believe that that's what they're trying to do well, while still building. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and I appreciate you um, coming up and bringing some, some good points. This is this is a good one to end on because it really does get me thinking, like, forward and, and whatnot. I think their their MO from day one that Leon Rose took over was to maintain maximum flexibility, which is why I think if Julius Randle is willing to extend for the max he could extend for this summer, you do it in a heartbeat because he – instantly becomes a very tradable contract. If he decides not to extend with them, 
then does it make you slightly more interested in listening to trade offers? 100%. And as they should. But again, that's a conversation that they need to have with Julius and his people. It's not like, you don't want to extend here. Fuck you. We're going to try to extract the maximum value that we can from you. So it's like a delicate situation. But I agree with you that, like, yes, should their eyes always be on the prize? 100%. And I guarantee you that Leon Rose's eyes are on the prize in the grand scheme of things. Even something like keeping Julius Randle happy, that makes you look better as an organization. He's not doing it because he's a nice guy. He's doing it to, to, to help the Knicks win in the long term. Thank you, guys. Keep up the great of, work. Of course, Thank, man. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, I, my only two cents is we did the top 40 in the NBA a couple of weeks ago, or I guess last week. Uh, The only sense it makes to trade Julius Randle is if the opportunity to get one of those top guys ahead of him is on the table and, you know, that it'll improve your team. I don't – I'd rather take my chances with adding to what the Knicks have than addition by subtraction. You know what I'm saying? So Completely agree. Um, I I have to run, so I'm going to let you close this out. But thank you, everybody, for coming and watching, and we love you all. <laughs> there you go. John, I'll, I'll talk to you. Uh, and have a good day, Macri family. Guys, thank you for tuning in to yet another Saturday morning locker room. Oh, excuse me, green room live stream. We do this every Saturday around 10, 30, 11. We'll be back next Saturday, as always. Thank you for all the participation. For those of you listening on the pod, if you dig the show, head on over to iTunes and drop a five-star rating and a review. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Brand new episode with John and Jeremy dropping Monday at midnight. We are on 3.0 of our off-season plans, cap or no cap, the Kyle Lowry plan. So stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we will speak with you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.